MS sucks. I know. I've lived with it since 1998, and man, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. When people ask, how are you doing? I say, fine. Great. Really? Most of the time, it's a lie, because we're programmed to hide our struggles. I'm not a doctor or a researcher. I'm just a normal guy talking from experience. And let me tell you, sharing those experiences with other people living with MS has made my life a hundred times better. So get ready for a belly up to the bar, honest conversation with real people who at first hesitate to tell the truth about life with MS, but eventually let it all hang out. I'm your host, Jim Fairchild. How you really doing? Lindsay Hendershot is unique. I love it the way she tells her story, the way she interacts with people, the way she thinks about the world, the way she thinks about her disease, and the way she loves herself. I love it. I love how she tells her story, and I love how she owns it. One thing that she has said to me that she didn't really say in the podcast the first time is there's no shame in her game, meaning that she owns who she is, she owns what she says, and that is unique. Since I put out part one of this podcast, Lindsay has been in touch with me and told me how many people have responded to her and told her how much they love what she said in her podcast, in the interview, and how brave she is for sharing her story, how much they've learned from her story, and what that has given them is a real gift. As you listen to Lindsay's story, you can see a transformation that she has gone through from being diagnosed to uh, her first year where she like literally sabotaged her body to getting divorced and learning who she really is and honoring herself in that. If you haven't listened to part one of Lindsay's podcast, please do, even before you listen to this one, because it is the basis of her story. It's really what she grew from and grew into now, today, how she blossomed. So part one really couples with this part. At the end of part one, Lindsay was talking about loving yourself, really falling in love with yourself and how she loves herself more now, even with MS, than she ever did without. So with that, I'm going to jump right into part two. I'm not going to rehash anything from the first part. So if you want to learn more about Lindsay, you can even listen to my introduction on part one. But I want to get right back into what she's talking about. So here we go. And in the words of Lindsay's dad, Dave Hendershot, be good, be safe, be you. This disease I am so grateful for every day that I was diagnosed because it has made me so aware of human relationships, Mm -hmm. of human experience, of how fragile we are. It has opened up this other community of people. Um, I've been able to help other people with small issues that they go, oh, wow, I'm talking to this person about not being able to sleep last night, and mm-hmm. her reality is a lot different. And so um, I think maybe, too, the first step is to stop hating the disease because I don't hate it. Uh-huh. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it, it opens us up to this secret group that we, 
experience similar symptoms and we know what it's like when I say I can't feel my legs. Right. You know what that feels like. That's a secret club. And the bottom line, just Maybe we like, should create a, like a secret handshake. You know, yes. kind of like an MS fraternity. You know, if you see somebody <laughs> with MS who's wobbling, you know, you do a secret handshake and then you guys can talk about anything you want to. So I view the disease as any part of my body. Just like I, I don't, let's say, I do actually love now all of me. I didn't for a while, but I do love all of me now. And that takes mm-hmm. a long time, I think, to get there. And some don't ever get there. But Even when is, your hands are shaking, you love your hands? Even when your legs are shaking, you love your legs? I do, because you know why? I have five fingers. There's some people that don't even have five fingers. Yeah. and you know, I, But I see how I just boil it down to the very basic. Right. And, and uh, what I also say is love is a very powerful emotion. And, you know, when my leg starts bouncing, I actually tell myself, I love you left leg. You know, (laughs) my, my right leg actually gets me around. And so I love my right leg. And when my left leg isn't working, I'm like, thank God you're there. I love you left leg to be in a band. Yeah, exactly. That's what my, my wife says that she's like, you know, you could be a bass drummer. She said all the time. (laughs) And then yeah. when I when I have both legs shaking, she's like, you could be double bass right now. So, See? Yeah. See, it's all about figuring out what you can do. Yeah. And so, yeah, when my hands don't work, I think, think about somebody who doesn't even have a hand. Mm-hmm. Okay? They don't even have a hand. Well, that to me would be worse. And I'm sorry for those if you are listening and you don't have a hand. I'm, But that's boiling down to, okay, where can I find gratitude in this situation almost immediately? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the silver lining underneath this whatever it is? Um, you know, if I can't get out of bed, which hasn't happened for a while, I tell myself, oh, it's time for a long nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't get out, so um, I'm just going to have to lay, you know, I think the same thing. I'm like, everybody, there are so many people out there who would love to lay down in bed right now. Yeah. So when I can't get out, that's what I think, that there's a lot of people out there who would like to be where I'm at. Or, oh my gosh, it's time for a movie day. You know, just immediately just, okay, your body is telling you that you need a break. And so yeah. now you have to take that break. And whether that moment in the car before that client meeting, I needed to just mentally take a break. Yeah, and my hands were telling me, that we all know what's really happening. I mean, with the myelin sheath and under it all, but yeah, that mind game of where where am I going to divert that energy? How am I going to get that signal through that scar tissue and that myelin sheath out to that appendix to get it to work? Well, I'm going to feed it some good vibes, and so that's going to be gratitude and love, and and gratitude and love, I think, sends better signals than hate and. Uh, confusion and stress so that definitely gets your hands working a lot better yeah and i'd have to say i believe me there were times where especially in that first 12 months that i would relapse and get really mad and then want to hurt my own hand because it didn't work yeah yeah i've punched many a wall so mm-hmm. yeah. yep burned my hands i've done some weird stuff so yeah but, um, you know don't worry about it you can't feel it anyway so when you burn right. them, then it doesn't really hurt right <laughs> it's fine it's yeah. fine I had a friend shoot me one time. He was joking around and, uh, well, okay, let me continue. He shot me with one of those airsoft guns. It just has like a rubber pellet, Mm -hmm. but he was 
like less than six inches away from my leg. And my leg started, I was wearing shorts and it started bleeding. And he felt horrible that he shot me with this air pellet gun. And I was like, don't worry, dude, I can't feel it anyway. <laughs> but he's he's apologized ever since. But I you know, I tried to play it off, but I still owe one to him and, and he knows that. So it was uh, it, he it was a joke, but it kind of went the wrong way for him. But I, I still played it off. <laughs> well, speaking of jokes, I mean, I do love to make some MS jokes about especially memory and conversations or yeah. or when I wasn't listening to somebody talk. I'm like, oh, that didn't absorb into my MS brain. So you're going to have to tell me that again. Um, to, you know, I know the reality could, what it could be. I'm not going to project it that way, but everybody better hope on earth that I don't ever get a cane because every female with, that wears a skirt or a dress is going to get lifted up. So just hope that that doesn't happen. I love that. Or wheelchair. And what a great way to make you laugh during the day is you're lifting up other people's skirts. Or tripping people. That's my two. Ooh. Um, Yeah. Don't get to, near Lindsay. I mean, she has MS, but man, she'll trip your ass. Yeah, yeah. She she's she's something else. So um that to what kind of a wheelchair and what it would look like and what I would drive and how I would get around with a wheelchair. Uh-huh. Um, you know, everybody just better hope that that doesn't happen because I will become just as more feisty and more sarcastic and still make jokes because the reality is I'm just privileged to be here on earth and happy to be alive. And whether I'm sitting or have a super fun toy called a cane then yeah yeah and, <laughs> that's and, what it is well i don't know if they call it a cane with you they may call it a weapon you know <laughs> yeah, the, the the doctor may have to actually you know write a prescription for a weapon or or right. take that away from you yeah yeah uh looking at it that way is a great way to help you deal with it for sure yeah. um what other little Lindsay jokes do you have or or Lindsayisms that help you get through the day? Um, I have to say I've stuck into my, I do have tattooed on me as well MS nine fourteen eleven bravery, um, which is the actual day that I was diagnosed, and uh-huh. um, I've used that to get into handicap sections at concerts. <laughs> no way, <laughs> yeah. that works. Well, who would tattoo that if that wasn't real? But true. Um, yeah. Yes, I have. Um, down to, you know, I, a phrase that I used to say a lot was sometimes it doesn't work for me. Like sometimes MS doesn't work for me because my body's not functioning. So I'm going to make it work for me. So I will blame stuff on MS when appropriate. Um, does that work? Um, I've had some people say, you know, they never want to blame MS for anything, but there's times now in my life where it's a fact, you know, I couldn't get there. You know, I told you I was going to be there, but my body wouldn't cooperate. So, um, I don't have such a hard time blaming it on MS as I used to, because right now it's just a fact. Yeah. Um, there's times where definitely I would say, Oh, my friend came to visit my friend's name's MS, yeah, and it yeah. took up the rest of my evening. Um, so I try and spin it like that. I'm always yeah. trying to make a joke, but you know, um, I have a, another friend who I just did a podcast with. He names uh, MS. Um, I think it's Margaret Stewart. Margaret, Ooh. yeah. So they could say Margaret was in town, 
and everybody knows that Margaret is MS. And so, yeah, same type of thing. You know, just name it and, and uh, give it a face that is a pain in the ass face. Well, and I, my dad, when he was very first diagnosed, he made it very clear that he would always say, I have MS, MS does not have me. Uh-huh. And what that meant to him was, I own this. I own my body. I own my brain. It just happens to be this tiny little side note that's happening inside my body. You know, how was it when you were diagnosed with MS, um, knowing, I mean, with your parents, how was it, you know, that when you came down or was, <laughs> how was when it when you were, di- yeah, <laughs> when you came down, like it's a cold, how yeah. was it when you were diagnosed with MS, um, since your parents had it? Well, um, it was really interesting. My, um, ex-husband, um, was MIA during the whole diagnosis process. So mm-hmm. when I went to actually go get my spinal tap, um, and then have the, findings read to me. Um, my neurologist at the time had pulled my mom and dad's records. They had gone with me to the, um, spinal tap appointment and, um, were obviously heartbroken to see their child go through that. But, mm-hmm. um, and then the neurologist, like I said, pulled my doctor's records or their records and, um, then told us, well, your daughter not only has MS, but she has more MS in her than you guys together. Oh boy. And she has more lesions, and she's got a lot of spinal cord damage. Um, so that was really rough. But um, I, as my mom would say, I've been a fighter since the day I was born, since uh-huh. I was born I, not breathing. Oh, yeah. That'll make you um, a fighter. So in that moment, I was fine, and I kind of always put on a strong front for my mom and dad. Obviously, they knew the 12-month plan because uh-huh. we're friends, and they – didn't think that that was a good idea. Yeah, right. I was wondering what they thought. But um, they said, you got to do what you got to do. That wasn't something that they necessarily had to go through. My mom's very private about her disease, and she mm-hmm. is so self-conscious about it, and she doesn't want anyone to know. And, um, of course, I'm telling the whole world right now, and she knows that. Uh-huh, but right. um, my dad was very public with his disease, and mm-hmm. it was, again, he owned it. It did not own him. Um, and they were the two people that I could call and tell them, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. My dad and I both also have Laramie's, which is what that is an electrical charge. When you bend at the neck, um, it's like sticking your finger in a light socket. So I don't look down. Oh, wow. And did, really did you have this before you're diagnosed with MS? No, sometimes it's a side effect of people. Some people with multiple sclerosis. Okay. Um, well, see, I didn't know that, and I'm doing this podcast, so I had no idea. Yeah, it's real fun. So I don't look down, which is really inconvenient in life. Um, uh-huh. But it's now habit to me because it is really like getting shocked from an outlet throughout your whole body for, I don't know, five to ten seconds. Ooh. Yeah, that'll. I mean, you'll learn not to look down when that happens, I'm right? sure. Right. Yeah, there are yeah. times when I'm in my car where I go, oh, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. Oh, thought I was going to look down. Nope, yeah. no, I'm not. Psych. Psych. <laughs> How are you doing now? I mean, it's been just over three years, mm-hmm. uh, almost three and a half. And um, what's your disease like now? And and uh, especially with the changes you've made, I uh yeah, how are you doing now? 
I am the absolute happiest I've ever been in my entire life. Yay! Yeah. Um, I have, since my diagnosis, I have lost 45 pounds. Wow. And, and that's after your year of debauchery, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, and how I, that didn't just magically happen and I didn't uh-huh. do anything unhealthy. Um, it was a change in my diet um, and it was a change in my mental state. And then it was 30 minutes of physical activity. So that for me was walking. Uh-huh. Um, once I dropped the weight and even 15 pounds ago or, you know, just as it started to come down, I started to notice my body doing completely different things. Um, it is much happier weighing what it should for my height. Um, I can even feel now, there's a lot of things I've cut out of my diet, and I can feel now when I eat those things what it like, does. Like what? Like what have you cut out that, that makes a difference for you? Um, I've, I've always only drank um, water, coffee, and whiskey, and champagne, and sometimes wine. Uh-huh. Um, so I was never a soda drinker. I wished I could have cut that out because that would have been way easier. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> um, but I don't eat pasta. I don't eat... Um, I don't eat pasta ever. I don't eat white potatoes ever. Sometimes I have fries. I'm not going to lie. I do have a cheat day or two during the week. And how does that make you feel if you have fries or pasta? You know, if I only have it once in an entire week, then um, it's not as bad. But I can definitely feel the sodium in my body and the swelling. And Uh we all know what that feels like. Yes. Um. I also don't eat bread, so I don't eat tortillas or biscuits or sandwiches. I just don't eat that stuff. Right. Um, so I, wh- do sorry. Eat, I do eat pizza. Okay. Well, pizza is one of the greatest foods on earth, I think. So it's Correct. very hard. I, I have a 12 and 13-year-old. It's hard not to eat pizza. Yes. But, but I do I, feel it after I eat it. Yes. And so I don't – I limit that to if I'm going to eat pizza, that can – for me, that can only be – once out of seven days. Uh-huh. Um, I guess more so I should say, what is my diet? What do I eat? Um, I eat, if I want like a cracker or chips, I will eat gluten-free um, rice. Crackers? crackers. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, I eat, every morning I eat a banana, um, sometimes granola in the morning. And then as a snack, I eat an avocado right out of the shell just straight avocado yeah um and then for lunch i kind of go back and forth but pretty much my standard is turkey a couple different ways but i make the turkey and then um what do you mean you make the turkey like i raise the turkey from a baby and then i shoot it (laughs) i was gonna say you go out and you chase a turkey down you have a turkey in the backyard in your house in denver yeah i'm actually you know originally from wyoming so that's how we do but <laughs> wow, you are quite the quite the turkey girl. <laughs> yeah, but either ground turkey or um, pretty much ground turkey uh-huh. or gr- turkey sausage or turkey burgers um, and chicken. Uh-huh. I do love buffalo meat too, so I'll I'll make some buffalo meat. But then black rice is um, black rice or quinoa would be my starch, so to speak, and then vegetables. 
So I eat anything that's green and I love green vegetables or peppers or, um, that's pretty much my diet. I mean, it's protein, it's vegetables. Um, occasionally if I'm craving something sweet, I'll eat dark chocolate and almonds and I snack on my regular snacks, almonds and craisins. Um, and mainly especially how I dropped the weight was portion control. Like, hello, we've all been told that, but it's portion control. Right. Like eat till you're full and then don't eat anymore. And I'm not a saint. I still go out and eat, but I try and make better choices. I say no to the bread because I know how it's going to make me feel. I try not to eat like Mexican or salty food that I haven't made at home more than once a week just because my body can't process that much salt. Where do you see yourself going from here? I mean, there's a lot of fear that people usually have with the future. Um, you say you're at the happiest right now. Where does Lindsay go from here? Um, my plan is I absolutely love what I do for a job and a profession. So continuing to do that, um, I pride myself and, on and the fact tell, that... Tell us what that is again. Um, I work for Northwestern Mutual. And we are a wealth management company that helps people plan for their financial futures um, personally and professionally. Personally, where I want to go, the truth is there's a huge amount of love inside of me for myself. and, And with or without multiple sclerosis, I want the entire world to love themselves as much as they possibly Mm -hmm. can because there's so much power in that in um, just what it gives you for drive and passion in life and the kindness to others. And so honestly, um, in 2015, the plan for me is to um, try and affect as many people as I can and spread the word of be you and love yourself. Um, I know that multiple sclerosis has given me the platform to start that. And I'm so grateful and thankful for this disease in our community to um, allow me to share this perspective of the disease. Um, and so that's the plan. And, and what do you get out of that? What What do you get by sharing this with everybody? You know, my I, my end goal is, or, or what I share in my personal life and, and what I want the world to know is how easy and how relieving it is to just sit in your own skin and just to be you. Like it is this weight lifted off your shoulders. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to do anything but just be you. And it's like the easiest thing. It takes a while to get there and everybody has their own journey. But, and I think, you know, therapy can help you get there to get over things if there's something in the way or health as far as exercise and diet can help you get there. But even at my heaviest, I still liked me to a certain degree. Um, I didn't feel great. Now that I feel great, it is easier to love me. But um, this was all we were given, you guys. Like, we were already born in these bodies. This is all we were given. So like it. I mean, just make the choice to like it and then start to love it and start to recognize when you say bad things about yourself or about your body, how much damage and let that reciprocal circle that just keeps going around of like, you're going to get back more of what you put out there in Uh the universe. So why not put out? I love me. I love me. 
Love me. Which is, is such a great message and such a great place to be able to be there um, as a person. And, uh, you know, your message of be you is such a strong thing. So um, what, what I am amazed with is the fact that a year of debauchery and, you know, going crazy with yourself and then being able to get to a point where you said, you know what, I am great. I love myself. And now, two years after that, you're at your happiest. So um, it seems to me that for Lindsay, you have found a great recipe for yourself. <clears throat> I've been on this journey of happy. I, I suppose January of 2014 was really when the turn started to happen of true just happiness from inside of me. And, and to be honest, a lot of that came from time alone. Uh-huh. I spent a fair amount of time alone after my divorce and got to know me again. Yeah. And So do you have anybody special in your life right now? I do not. I do not. I have not um, ventured out into that dating world part yet since my divorce. Um, I quite frankly don't even know how to do it. So yeah, I, I think that would be pretty hard to get back out there. Um, but I also think that knowing yourself the way you do um, may not be as lonely. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I, I'd have to say that I am, I'm... <clears throat> there were times when I was lonely after I got a divorce, and I think that's just being in a relationship. Um, but there's a great amount of freedom. Like, I get to do whatever I want whenever I uh-huh. want. <laughs> and the lonely part, you know, I know exactly what to do. I don't get lonely anymore. I love and crave my alone time. Uh-huh. Um, and so I have to say that I'm not lonely. I And I've, you know thought about my disease what if I never have a significant other in my life where I meet somebody now and they're like oh don't want to deal with I don't know what's your future yeah right um and then I can you know still be alone well I guess okay I mean I've become really resourceful like putting wheels on stuff to bring stuff into my apartment from my Mm -hmm. car or if I can't get it into my apartment from my car then I have said and done this well then i guess it needs to go in the trash <laughs> i really like that but it's not going to get in my house so bye-bye yeah because i do i do live alone and i don't have quite the community that i've had in portland in denver's support so i don't have somebody i can just call and say can you help me unload this for my right. car and i couldn't unload a box and i looked in the box and thought hmm. trash not that important <laughs> no well that's a pretty good way to go about life i suppose you know it's not going to make yeah. it, so goodbye. Yep, and I'm even if it did make it into my apartment, if I needed to move it, I clearly can't do that either. So yeah, yeah, um, there are so many things that I am amazed about the way you go about things, Lindsay. What are some tricks that you found? Um, I mean, there's so many problems that us MSers have with with mental clarity and. You know, you're working full time. So do you have anything that helps you throughout the day? I do. Um, Making sure that I drink water and that I'm positive is the first part. And then the second part is um, recently, within the last nine months, um, when I was out in Portland, I went to the 40 and under group um, MS support group meeting and a female had mentioned that she was on Ritalin mm-hmm. to help with 
brain function. And a light bulb went on in my head and I thought, well, I was on that for ADD third grade to I was a senior in high school, but then I grew out of it. And so I went back to my neurologist and I said, hey, how come you've never mentioned this or asked me questions about this? And he said, oh, I have a lot of patients on Ritalin. It's, it, it can work great. And so um, I do take 10 milligrams a day and it's, it definitely has boosted my confidence in my brainwaves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel more confident um, especially in my job with, oh, well, I wasn't just talking and then forgot about what I was going to say or I was in a task and then answered the phone or got interrupted by an assistant or something. Um, I can just flow through my day and it's given me this amazing amount of confidence in my brain because as we all know, <laughs> I can sit here and say, be you and love yourself and right. this brain right. and this choice, but it is our brain that's most affected by this disease, um, and so to counteract the the damage that has been done or will be done, um, I feel like it's a good weapon to have in your toolbox. It's also um, a drug that you don't have to take every day. I don't take it on the uh -huh. weekends. I don't take it at night. Um, I take it when I need it, and I'm not a drug pusher. I don't take any other pharmaceuticals. Um, on Jeleni, I can't even take steroids if I relapse. Um, but it's something that I definitely think has made a difference. You know, Lindsay, uh, you have an amazing attitude and um, are handling things very well for you right now. But um, in all, what scares you? What scares me? Well, I did talk about um, the reality of having a cane or a walker or a wheelchair. Um, and even past that. So I don't have any fear around that. Um, I suppose my fear in life in the future, to be honest, the only thing that I'm afraid of is that I won't ever fall in love again. Mm. Um, it would be nice to um, have somebody love me for all of me and respect all of me and be okay with my disease and how I handle it. And if it were to become a deal in the future, and by deal, we all know what that means. Uh -huh. But um, that would be it. So, not of losing my job or becoming disabled or finances or doing stuff on my own. Yeah, it would be like never getting the opportunity to fall in love again. Do you find that your MS stops you from finding somebody? You, you know, um, it had a. a about a year ago, I was nervous. I, I suppose, went on one or two dates with people and got. I was very open about having uh -huh. MS, but that's that's something that somebody else would have to, I suppose, choose if they want to end their life. And to have my ex-husband not want it in his life so much that he didn't want to be married mm -hmm. anymore. Um, I suppose now. For me, it's not a deal because it comes with me. Yeah. It's a part of me. And now more so, I'm probably more so afraid <laughs> to fall in love or go there because I was so hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just now getting over that. Or I guess I've been over and finally my heart's fully healed and all those emotions and feelings. 
have subsided for my ex-husband that now I'm actually open to the idea mm-hmm. of, huh. What could happen? I wonder what that's like again. Yeah. It's out there. It's on the horizon for you. I can feel it. Yes. Not that I know yeah. anything, but sometimes I know something. Well, now my heart's open to it. So I do think with, yeah, like you said, the self-love and that my heart's open to the idea that that might be fun right. again. Right. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? But um, it's uh, another question I have is um, what would you tell somebody newly diagnosed? <sighs> Write your own path. Um, the first thing I would say is don't dive into Google uh-huh. about yeah. multiple sclerosis. Uh-huh. I would say instead Google the grieving process and learn the seven steps and get familiar with those. Um, talk to your family and your loved ones about your grieving process and their grieving process because not only do we as the people get diagnosed, but those around us. Um, also go through a grieving process as well. And so having a clear communication of how are we going to handle this? Do we go to therapy to deal with it? Or do we self-sabotage for 12 months and that's totally fine? Or what does that look like? And when I get angry as the person that was diagnosed with it, um, is that going to be okay? Where's my safe zone to do that? Um, So that's what I would say. I would not say dive fully into the disease on, you don't need to know everything now. Um, You'll learn more about it every day when you live in it. Um, And you can look up stuff if you want to or not. But I'd say just get to know the grieving process. Because that's the first thing you go through besides your symptoms. Everybody deals with this differently. You're the first person Mm -hmm. I've ever heard to... Uh, have a year-long debauchery uh, with your body. Um, But what you came out of that with amazes me. And the strength that you've shown to be able to make decisions after that uh, is uh, Lindsay-esque. That's the only way I can say (laughs) that is that's the only way I've seen that. So um, you are definitely a unique person with a very strong soul Thank and you. a very strong heart. And um, I just uh, I, I just want to thank you for talking with me and thank you for uh, sharing your perspective on everything. Thank you. Thank you to all the listeners and be you. I have personally gotten so much from Lindsay. In fact, I find myself repeating her dad's words in my head like on a daily basis. Be good, be safe, be you. You know, as a father myself, I really see the wisdom in these words and I hope it works well for my daughters. And as an adult, this message is so strong and yet can be so elusive. You know, I came up with my own motto this year, which is kind of along the same lines, and it is stand tall, which for me has a double meaning. You know, one is that I use a walker all the time now because my legs just are not happy and so I need the help getting around. Uh, so behind a walker, I am hunched over all the time like an 80-year-old man. So I work very hard to use my core strength to literally stand tall. You know, I'm six foot three and so standing tall 
means that I'm at my like real height. And it has been a rush to be able to talk to people in that manner instead of sitting down, which I usually do, or hunched over at my walker. So that is one meaning for me. Uh, it also means to stand up for who I am and to own my own life, you know, to be me. You know, strengthen myself, capturing my personal power hasn't always been easy. In fact, it's been very elusive throughout my life. You know, sometimes I got it, sometimes I don't. But I do continually strive to be the best I can be, you know, to be me and to stand tall because I know that is really my best opportunity to be healthy and happy. Be you, of course, means something different for everybody. Finding what it means for you can be an adventure, you know, a fun trip. It really can. Uh, find something you are passionate about. Find something you love to do and do it. Get out of your head and see that the world is more than just your disease. Now, the way I'm saying these makes it sound really simple, right? But I can say these things for sure because I am on this trip right now. You know, two years ago when I had my big time exacerbation, uh, I had to quit working and I had to quit driving. I lost my independence. I lost my freedom. I lost myself, you know, and I have been trying to find myself ever since. So over the last year, I have started this podcast, which is something that I have become very passionate about. I have gotten back into movies, which is something that I've always enjoyed doing. And most importantly, I have gotten out of my head by being social, uh, by going out with friends, by finding a way to get out of this house. Because when I stay in my house, I get locked in this abyss of crap that goes on and on in my head. You know, so this is why Lindsay's interview strikes such a chord with me. The conversations I've had with her have been so important because I've been working on myself for a long time. It ain't easy, but it sure is worth it. So in whatever shape it takes, however it looks, I hope that being you makes it into your life somehow. Okay, I've said this a lot, but I'm going to say it one more time. Be good. Be safe. Be you. I'm Jim Fairchild, and I look forward to talking to you next time on How You Really Doing.